Okay, here we go. Welcome back, listeners, to Myths and Movies. I'm Erin, and I'm going to be your host. Thank you for joining us as we dive into our favorite movies and learn about fairies, trolls, mythical monsters, and folklore. Now, this week, um, we are releasing a week early so that we can get into the Halloween spirit, and we're going to talk about the one, the only, Dracula. So, um, I really didn't know a lot about Dracula before this episode, so I'm really excited to tell you guys everything I found. Now, of course, Dracula is in a ton of books and movies. Dracula was an original story by Bram Stoker, but the idea of a creature who drinks blood is present in folklore all over the world. There's a bunch of movies like Nosferatu, even Sesame Street has a vampire. Count Von Count, (laughs) which is a pretty great name. Um, so are we ready for our campfire tale? Once upon a time, there was a mysterious man who lived in a great Gothic castle deep in the Carpathian Mountains. He employed a man named Harker to help him buy a house in London. The man named Count Dracula, he goes to England and terrible things begin to happen. Bodies are appearing in the morgue with all their blood drained. Even a friend of Harker's Lucy is not immune. She has terrible blood loss and is confined to a bed. An old professor, Van Helsing, figures out Count Dracula is behind all of this. But by the time he does, Lucy dies. As the group visits her grave, she reappears as a vampire. Harker and his fiancée kill Lucy. They swear to avenge their friend and hunt the man known as Dracula. Dracula attacks Harker's fiancée, Mina, and turns into a vampire after. They track Dracula to his castle and finally manage to corner him. They plunge a stake into his heart. Dracula crumbles into dust and frees Mina from her vampiric state. The ends. Okay. (laughs) So that's the story of Dracula as written by Bram Stoker. So um, it's kind of amazing to me that just one little book is totally responsible for everything we know as the creature known as Dracula. I mean, what an influential book. So the book is published in 1897 and it's immediately a huge hit. Everybody loves it, including the critics, most of them at least. The only real criticism that I could find was that the book is too frightening, which, you know, Stephen King would love to get that criticism, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, So Bram Stoker uses a lot of Romanian folklore to write the book. Some have suggested that Vlad the Impaler or that Elizabeth Bathory are the inspirations. So, um... Vlad the Impaler really sticks around because Vlad was actually called Dracula. So what does Dracula mean? At the time, it just meant son of Dracul. Over time, however, it's changed to mean son of the devil or dragon. So those are... (laughs) you You wouldn't necessarily think the devil or dragon are on the same level, but actually dragons were associated with the devil because they breathe fire. So it it is the um, same in that language. But in Vlad the Impaler's case, it was actually a reference to the fact that Vlad's father was a member of the Order of Dragons, which was a Christian society, sort of like the Crusaders. So we know Vlad that he um, impaled his victims. I will say I learned that people really liked him at first. He was a defender of Christianity. He made the place safer. He was considered a very fair ruler. And then things got bad. Um, So Vlad the Impaler, you might not know. I mean, Impaler, 
kind of sounds divorced from how awful that thing is. It really is. It's a particularly gruesome form of torture and death. Um, A wood or metal pole is inserted through the body, either front to back, through the rectum or vagina, and the exit wound could be near the victim's neck, shoulders, or mouth. Sometimes the pole was rounded to avoid damaging internal organs and thereby prolong the suffering of victims. Then the pole was raised vertically to display to display the victim's torment. It could take hours or days for the impaled person to die. That was his signature move to impale his uh, victims. He's estimated to have killed about 80,000 people through various means. So about 20,000 of them were impaled and put on display outside um, a major city. The site was so repulsive that the invading Ottoman Empire, that the invading Ottoman Sultan, he, um, after seeing the scale of the carnage and thousands of decaying bodies, he turned back and he retreated to Constantinople. So mission accomplished for old Vlad, I guess. But while marching to yet another battle, Vlad and a bunch of his soldiers were ambushed and Vlad was killed and beheaded. And uh, by most reports, his head was to be delivered to the ruler in Constantinople as a trophy and it was to be displayed above the city's gates. Little blood there for you, for your (laughs) little... Um, so while we're talking about Vlad, there's I've also heard that actor and theater owner, a guy named Irving, is the inspiration. So his name was Sir Henry Irving. Stoker worked as the theater's bookkeeper for many years and became quite close with Irving. It's been suggested Irving looks similar to Dracula. So we don't know if this is true, but we do know that the pair fell out. Irving hated the book and refused to perform the character which is strange considering it's a great role and extremely popular. You would think like an actor would love to sink his teeth. uh, You'll have to forgive the pun into such a great role, but he refused. So um, let's get into some of the details. Dracula is basically the origin story of vampires in most media. So who is Count Dracula? So he's a Transylvanian nobleman. He claims to be a centuries-old vampire, so he probably predates the Count title. He inherits a castle deep in the Carpathian Mountains, and he's also handsome. Not in, like, a heartthrob, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who a current heartthrob is, and I'm just so old that I have no idea. Like Brad Pitt or you know, heart throbby way. This was more of like a distinguished, like elegant gentleman. That's what he sort of is compared to be. And this was very um, new. So in folk tales, vampires were almost always disgusting. Um, They were reported as bloated in appearance and ruddy purplish or dark in color. These characteristics were often attributed to the recent drinking of blood, which totally makes sense. Um, Blood was often seen seeping from the mouth and nose, when one was seen in a shroud or um, the coffin with its eye open. It's gross. So Dracula is at, is basically the opposite. He's smart. He's suave. He's got impeccable manners. Basically an upper, upper crust gentleman. So what does he look like? He's tall and thin. He's got a white mustache. And he's got one of those like long Victorian mustaches. He's got um, a lot of hair. It's uh, very curly. He's got massive eyebrows and very sharp white teeth, especially the canine teeth. Those are extra sharp. So he's described as an old man, but as the novel progresses, he becomes younger. 
Um, he's astonishingly vital and extremely strong. Van Helsing says he has the strength of 20 men. That's probably because of the blood. Um, he's very learned. He's always talking about architecture and whatnot. Like he's absolutely an intellectual, um, you know, refined gentleman. So I just want to clear up like a few things that he, um, a few more characteristics that he has. So he does not cast a shadow or have a reflection from mirrors. He's immune to conventional means of attack. Like a sailor tries to stab him in the back with a knife, but the blade goes through his body as though it is air. He can defy gravity to a certain extent, and he possesses superhuman agility. He can climb vertical surfaces upside down in a reptilian manner. Um, He has powerful hypnotic telepathic abilities. He has the ability to, quote, within limitations, end quote, vanish and reappear elsewhere at will, which is what I want. (laughs) If I could cut down on all the commuting I do, I would really appreciate it. Um, He can command animals such as rats, owls, bats, moths, foxes, and wolves. And that's within limits, of course. He can also manipulate the weather and within his range is able to direct the elements such as storms, fog, and mist. This is a very long list. Um, He's very talented. He's practically a superhero. And most of these characteristics are Stoker's invention, which is pretty impressive. So where does Stoker get all of this um, from? I'm not sure, but we're going to try and find out. So there's a lot of information about how Stoker was inspired by Vlad the Impaler, a tyrant with a thirst for blood, which is probably true. Although... Vlad's story really wasn't known until Dracula. People were obsessed by this story, and so they dragged out a bunch of history books looking for possible inspiration, and they found Vlad and sort of attributed it to him. Stoker did research him. He also thoroughly researched European folklore, and he found the area of Romania and Transylvania to be full of folklore around vampires. He never visited the area, um, but it made a really good story. So Stoker relies heavily on Transylvania's background. It's a mysterious land set against the mountain with a gothic gothic castle in front. Everything very spooky and creepy. So Brand Castle is the inspiration for Dracula, and it is in Romania, and it is a very cool gothic castle. Um, There was a a few years back, um, Crimson Peak, and it was very gothic. I didn't really care for the plot that much, but the aesthetic was really cool. Um, I just love how dramatic and romantic it is. So um, here we're going to talk about the folklore aspect of uh, Stoker's influence. So it's believed that Emily Gerard's book, The Land Before the Forest, gave Stoker a lot of ideas. It explained the vampire legend of Nosferatu. Um, and this word is presented as an ancient Romanian word by Gerard, but that word is never mentioned in Romanian texts. So now it's believed that she pronounced the word wrong or something because she was an Irish writer and it's really hard to read Romanian if you're not familiar with it. So Um, I have a quote from her book, which I will now read. Um, Gerard wrote, more decidedly evil is the Nosferatu or vampire in which every Romanian peasant believes as firmly as he does in heaven or hell. Every person killed by Nosferatu becomes likewise a vampire after death and will continue to suck the blood of other innocent persons 
till the spirit has been exercised by opening the grave of the suspected person and either driving a stake through the corpse or, in a very obstinate case of vampirism, it is recommended to cut off the head and replace it in the coffin with the mouth filled with garlic. That passage lines up exactly with what I know about vampires. Garlic, stake through the heart, all of that. Gerard actually makes it a bit simpler than the actual legend, so I'm going to tell you about that. Um, it's called St- Strigoi, which I had to write out phonetically because um, I kept forgetting how to pronounce it. So Strigoi means scream. So it's not really a vampire, but it's close enough. Um, they're also referred to as nightwalkers, and they are basically troubled spirits rising from the grave. Along with having the powers to be invisible and change into animals, it is said that Strigoi can return to their family from the grave, behaving normally, but will slowly weaken those in their house and finally kill them by draining their blood. Um, So it does sound very vampiric. Um, Not exactly a vampire, but you can see where they're getting this information from. There is a tale about a man named um, Jury, and he was a villager in the 1600s, and after his death, he would supposedly terrorize the town until he was decapitated 16 years later. Um, the village priest, Gregorio, he had buried Jury 16 years previously. He discovered that at night, someone would knock on the doors around the village, and whichever door he knocked, someone from that house would die within the few within the next few days. Jury also appeared to his terrified widow in her bedroom, who described the corpse as look the corpse as looking as though he were smiling and gasping for breath, and then he would sexually assault her, which oh that poor woman. Um, Father Gregorio eventually came face to face with a vampire. He held out a cross in front of him and yelled, Behold, Jesus Christ, you vampires, stop tormenting us. The villagers had enough. They chased and tried to kill the vampire by piercing his heart with a hawthorn stick, but that failed because the stick just bounced off his chest. Um, one night later, nine people went to the graveyard carrying lamps across and a hawthorn stick. They dug up Drew's coffin and found a perfectly preserved corpse with a smile on its face. Um, Father Gregorio said, Look, there is Jesus Christ who saved us from heaven. Who's, l-. Father Gregorio said, Look, there is, a G- there is a Jesus Christ who saved us from hell and died for us, and you cannot have peace. So they tried to pierce his heart again, but the stick could not penetrate its flesh. So one of the villagers took a saw and sawed off the head of the corpse. And as soon as the saw tore his skin, the vampire screamed and blood started to flow from the cut. Um, according to folklore, peace finally returned to the region after jury's decapitation. So totally worked. <laughs> I mean, it may not be true. You know, <laughs> I don't know how to... Uh, it's not true, but that doesn't get in the way of it being a good story. It's such a good story, in fact, that the small town where the story takes place made it into a bar. Like, they have a themed bar with red velvet chairs and wreaths of garlic all around and everything. So, good for them. <laughs> There's not one particular monster that um, Stoker based 
his monster on. There's a bunch of different ones. So that was one, the Strigoi. There's another monster called the Muhroi, which are considered to be the mortal vampires. These are said to be spirits that leave the grave to feed upon the energy of the living. Muhroi can also possess animals. They are frequently associated with possessing bears and be, can be controlled by the Strigoi. So that's just one story. There's a million different ones. Um, like I talked about earlier, the Nightwalkers rising from the grave. There's also a version called the Living Nightwalkers, and it's just a normal person who suddenly attacks, which is real creepy. St. Andrew's Day, the 30th of November, is the official beginning of winter in Romania. According to traditional beliefs, it signifies the moment when the Nightwalkers or Strigoi are going to compete with each other to bring misfortune and sadness to people. The victor of this battle, the one who manages to disturb the most people, will be named ruler for the following year. So, are you curious how you become a Nightwalker or a vampire? So I will tell you, one, um, you can be the seventh boy or girl born in your family. Like, it has to be all boys or all girls or something. Um, you have to lead a life of sin. You have to die without being married. You have to die by execution for perjury, die by suicide, or die from a witch's curse. So um, in the event that these happen, you can prevent um becoming one and i'll tell you about that now you can nail the coffin shut really hard or better yet drive a stake through the chest of the corpse or you can get more involved you can unearth and behead and then reinter the corpse with its head face down so that'll um that's very preventative absolutely no vampires for you so say you don't want to do that because that's kind of gross Instead, you just want to keep an eye out on the grave, make sure nothing comes out. There is a way to identify a vampire before they rise from the grave. So this is what you should do. You should place a seven-year-old boy dressed in white on a white horse near the graveyard at midday. It's believed that the horse would stop at the grave of the suspected vampire. Which doesn't seem particularly safe for the kid, but I guess, you know, <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Um, and he has to wear white. So apparently white has been a symbol of purity of heart even before those Westerns where there's like the bad guy in the black suit and then there's the good guy in the white suit or white hat, whatever. The guy in the black is always the bad guy in those Westerns. Okay, so that's all I know about Romanian folklore. Um, I think it's important to note that these creatures are not called vampires Sometimes they are called witches, but that's it. So it was really the Irish writer who subscribed the vampire title to them. And then it's Stoker who cements the idea of being a vampire. But there are vampires in every culture. It's a very popular folk tale. And it, it makes sense. It speaks to our greatest fear, which is death and what happens after. Um, in fact, we really see this in Romania in um, the 1700s. This is when vampire tales reached sort of a fever pitch. There was a um, bubonic plague really just wiping through the population. And people were sure that the disease was coming from the dead. Which it probably was. I mean, the way people were prepared for death was probably unsanitary for the, the disease. Like with e Ebola... Um, it's very common in African countries to prepare the deceased yourself um, for the coffin or burial or whatever. 
And that's one way that Ebola gets spread really commonly. And so they've been sort of told not to do that anymore, um, especially when there's an outbreak. But these Romanians were pretty sure it was vampires. And uh, doctors tried to explain that it was really germs, but it just didn't work very well. Anyway, there's a lot of cool monsters in Romania folklore and Romanian folklore. Um, there's a lot of stuff about wolves, too. There's this one legend where violent men rise from their graves and take the shape of a wolf. So Vlad the Impaler, he was also a folk hero. He saved the country from the Ottoman Empire and he instituted law and order and made the place safer. And for a time, he was really beloved. So he was a big time. He's a big time folk hero um, in a bunch of different folk tales. So. So that's sort of what we're talking about with folktales. Um, the legend of vampires also has been really cemented by movies. And every movie seems to tweak the legend of vampires just a bit. So the first movie we have is Nosferatu. So that comes out about 20 years after the book, and it was a huge hit. And in this movie, vampires are killed by sunlight. And that is different um, from Bram Stoker's book. Um, the fun fact, the, the movie Nosferatu is not an authorized Dracula movie. They did not have the rights, and they came pretty close to copying the whole thing. Stoker's widow tried to have the movie stopped, but she didn't have the money or the willpower to keep fighting. So I always assumed that Nosferatu was the movie adaptation of uh, Dracula, which it is basically, but it's just not authorized. It's a silent movie. It's also German. But since it's silent, you might not know <laughs> it's German. Um, so basically, vampires are scary monsters until the 90s. And Rice makes them sexy in the late 70s with uh, an interview with a vampire. And then in the 90s is when the movie comes out. And you've got a young Brad Pitt playing Louis, a vampire who is more interested in who he is as a soul than drinking blood. I did not see it. It was a little bit before my time. It came out in 1994. There is no way, never in the land of ever, would my mom let me see that as a kid. No. <laughs> oh, that would not have happened. I was really into like Jumanji and Barbie. Those were my big things. Uh, oh, and Harry Potter. I loved Harry Potter. But that comes out in 97. All right. Anyway. So um, Stephanie Meyer, she writes Twilight, where vampires are sort of a metaphor for eternal love, which I hope I got that right. I still haven't seen the movies or read the books, and I have no immediate plans to do so. Um, I have to say, I do fully enjoy Robert Pattinson talking about Twilight. He was really embarrassed by it, and now he seems to really enjoy it, or at least he appreciates it for what it is, which is very campy, very corny. Anyway, I just I just enjoy Robert Pattinson. Um, so anyway, vampires have basically come full circle from terrifying monster to teenage heartthrob. Although my favorite, I think, is um, Jason Siegel's Dracula Muppet Show in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. What was it called? Like a taste for love. <laughs> I love. I, and here's some fun facts. So apparently, Jason Siegel really wrote that musical during a slow period of his career, and he played it for Judd Apatow, who said, "Never ever share this with anyone." And then three years later, Jason wrote the movie and he put the Dracula thing in, and I'm so glad he did. 
Oh, I love that movie. I really love Bill Hader in that, just as a wonderful side character. And my favorite part is when he gets really into the musical and he tries to upstage everyone and he's like standing up anyway. So that's all I have about Dracula. Um, I hope that you enjoy this little uh, foray into Romanian folklore and history. And uh, I hope you have a, a great Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. And uh, stay safe out there. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review. It helps more people find us and keeps our show going. If you would like early access to episodes, consider joining our Patreon. The link is in the show notes. As always, we know you have many choices when you pod, so thank you for choosing us. Thank you.